welcome to the podcast where we do it for the love of it. I'm Kevin. And I'm Charles, and this is a sports podcast where we talk about the best stories and events from across the global competitive landscape. Okay. We do want to apologize for being a day late today. We're going to be record. We're going to be dropping this Monday night every night. We just had some technical difficulties last night, so this will be a Tuesday. But don't expect this to be a regular thing. No, not at all. And once again, big apology, and we just thank you for sticking through with us. Okay, so we're going to start it off with the NFL. Uh, get right into it because this was a very exciting week. We had uh, some real big matchups. We had some. Uh, maybe not as important matchups have some real standout situations happen. From yeah, this is a great week. This is a great week. You look at the schedule before the game and before the week starts, and you're excited. Like this was the one where there had to be hidden gems. Yeah, yeah. There was. It was pretty much these teams are going to be exciting, and then all of a sudden, every other team was exciting as well. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, I guess uh, I'm going to start it off with probably some of the matchups here. We're going to go with Cincinnati and Pittsburgh. And yeah, big time rivalry. Oh, the probably the most hated, like two teams, like the most heated, the most vile situation. You think Pittsburgh Cincinnati beats uh, Pittsburgh Baltimore? Oh, 100 percent, right? Like after uh, the hit, like Bonte Burfist hitting. Um, Antonio Brown and, you know, uh, on a dirty hit, knocks him out. <laughs> Perfect does add a lot of hatred he, to He does. A like, he's a violent player. He plays, you know, kind of an old school game that is not, you know, around anymore, kind of for a reason. And, uh, you know, he took a hit that, like, was kind of out of his control. Can be, like, it could be misconstrued as, like, a violent hit. He's, a dir- he's one of the dirtier players, so it's obviously he must have been, been intentionally doing it. But you saw him, you know, take that hit, and then you follow that up with the next year with Juju Smith-Schuster laying the dirtiest hit, crackback block, <laughs> knocking him, like, out and on birthday beer fest, and then standing over him and just, you know, getting him suspended for two games because he's standing over him and mocking him and totally something uncalled for. That was beyond what Vontae Burfest did. <laughs> and then now you lead to today in your present oh, game. Oh yeah, I forgot about the standing over it's man. The standing that was... <laughs> over, and people made shirts of it. I, I remember the disgusting. hit, but I forgot that. It's the shirts that say, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you what terrible towel. Like you're talking about people's brains, man. Like it's not the same thing <laughs> as it was before. But there's hatred. That's that's what that is. I think yeah. that has now become the pinnacle of hatred between two teams. And it showed through in this game, too. Like, it was violent from start to finish. And... Yeah, this lived up to the hype. Yeah, like, it was... They were coming at each other from start to finish. Go, go, go. Sacks all over the place. Uh, big hits. And uh, Pittsburgh managed to squeak it out. I thought they would lose. I didn't think they had it in them. But uh, Ben Roethlisberger works his magic and managed to show It looked like they were going to lose. This was the game that I focused on early in the morning. Yeah. Um, and, like, they... Cincinnati, I thought, looked like the better team. I thought James Con- James Conner started out so slow. Like, he kept just running into the line of scrimmage, getting knocked down. Yeah. But that Pittsburgh offensive line is pretty damn good. And they start, they just kept feeding him the ball, wearing it down. And suddenly, like, I don't think... Conner had good stats. I don't think he was particularly impressive because he was just walking through lanes that a semi-truck could go through. 
basically he was, you know, just wide open. Like he just, they basically it was a battle of attrition. And by the end of the game, when it mattered most, he was making those plays. Yeah, let's talk about the end of the game. Man, that was one hell of, like, I, a minute 18, you need a touchdown, or, well, I know, you just need any score whatsoever. Yeah, any, yeah, um, score. But, man, that was a beautiful drive. Yeah, I mean, it shows that, number one, Ben Roethlisberger, he still has it in him, even though they're struggling right now. He can kind of shine when it matters, and that yeah. is important when you get to the playoffs. Um, and, and Antonio Brown remains like I think there might have been yeah. some doubt at the, is he still the best receiver in the league? He's still the best receiver, receiver in, the in the league. Yes, and that's exactly it as well. Is that it, the reality of it? Is Antonio Brown picked up when he needed to pick up and carried the team when it mattered most, and just he's always open. Like yeah, like he scored that final touchdown, but there was a pass earlier in the game. I think maybe the second quarter set up one of their just one yard touchdowns. Just an absolutely beautiful catch by Antonio Brown. Like he's he's on another level. We, yeah. You might try to forget about him for a bit, but don't. <laughs> no, he's he's so athletic, and his body control is, you know, second to none as well. So yeah, he's one of those true professionals that everything he does is just per, it. It's like it reminds me of Andre Johnson, different body type, obviously. Yes. But just everything he does was meticulous. In, there's yeah. not, there's no wasted motion. Not at all. There's no one-handed catches when it could be a two-handed catch. He's just doing exactly what he needs to do, and he's insanely athletic to boot. Exactly, and it, and it's it's really awesome to watch. And you know, it, I'm on the side of Cincinnati winning that game. It sucks that they didn't. Um, but Pittsburgh, obviously, keeping their playoff hopes really rooted and alive with that win. Yeah, especially division win. Exactly. Like, if they dropped both the Ravens and Cincinnati, like, ooh. They tied Cleveland, so it had been a bad bad stretch yeah, in division, but they righted been, the ship. It would have been that, you know what I mean? Like, that would have been, now you have to win and make it in the wild card because one of those teams, whether it be Cincy or, I believe, Baltimore, w- would be able to win it, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so we'll slide over to Dallas and Jacksonville. This game uh, was a big game for Dak Prescott. This was the surprise. There wasn't a huge upset. Even nope. games that you might think were upsets were just like close games that maybe turned. Yeah. This was the one upset of the week. Yeah. And I, I'm struggling for words to explain it. Dak Prescott looked like one of the top quarterbacks in the league the whole game. And I, so his, I didn't, well, I'll be honest, I didn't watch this game, and his stats weren't great. No. So what what uh, made him stand out? He he was completing the little passes that mattered. He looked like like a, like Tom Brady, just doing those little passes to dudes who were open and forcing t- teams to kind of play his game. Like he controlled okay. the pace, and it, on that defense, is very difficult to do. Like... And that's what he did. He just pick, 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 pick. Find those spots, find those spots. And he looked like Dax, Dax Shepard of year one. Prescott. You know, <laughs> or Dak, sorry, Prescott, sorry. I mean, no, no. Yeah. But, like, the Dak Prescott of of that era, that exciting, you know, complete every pass, make a team 
not know if they're going to run or pass because he's completing everything. Yeah, the frustrating quarterback that you just you can't figure out how to stop him because it just always seems to work sort of thing. Exactly, and he, and he ran uh, quite well as well. So Yes, I mean, he did have, I think, 80 yards rushing or something like exactly. that. Exactly. Like, it was a full package. That team looked like it was hitting on all cylinders. And if, if this is the start of something then uh, my guess is kind of look out like they're they're going to be playoff kind of bound like they're going to like if this yeah, is I think we I think we've kind of been thinking that the Eagles were just going to waltz to the division yeah. championship even if they weren't that good just because the rest of the div- division was was garbage 100% and now I think you got to start rethinking that cuz the Cowboys last week it was the Ezekiel Elliott show yeah and this year even though no one player Kind of dominated on the stat sheet. That's a dominant win for sure. Oh, 100%. It was literally that team win. Like, everyone was doing the right thing. Uh, Cole Beasley looked really good. Like, it was it was really good of a win there. Okay, uh, we're going to slide it over to now the Ravens and the Titans. And this one, <laughs> I don't think anyone expected. And I couldn't be happier so there's, there's only one stat that matters in this game. I, I'm sure you've probably heard it by now. But yeah. uh, Marcus Mariota completed 10 passes yes. and was sacked 11 times. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know how you complete less passes than you get sacked, but they managed to do it in that defense. Oh, I'm so happy. I was, uh, you know... Yeah, I, it hadn't happened since 1960. Yeah. How good are the Ravens' defense? Is the Ravens' defense. The Ravens' whoa. defense really is that good. But, I mean, it's not a team that's going to have 11 sacks every game. Like, let's not think that it's no. the, you know, melting defenses and making those plays. But it really is one of the top three to five defenses in the league. You think that highly of it? T- oh, top 100%. three? Top three. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Top three. That's a bold statement because you got the Bears. I know the Jaguars look bad, but. No, think, the Jaguars uh, are probably number one. Um, uh, you got the Broncos. You got the the Bears have looked amazing. I would until say this Jaguars number one, Rams number two, number three, Ravens. That's how I put them. All right. So, so you have the Ravens defense better than the Khalil Mack led Chicago Bears yes, defense. I, I think I might disagree with that. That's I interesting. think the, the the Bears are a really good defense, but I just don't. Th- they didn't do. They haven't had that game yet where they absolutely obliterated a team from start. Like, if they would have... Uh, was it against the Raiders? I think you might be crazy. Yeah, but here. the Raiders was... are garbage. Like, if the Raiders... <laughs> like, if they managed to finish off the game against uh, Aaron Rodgers... But Rogers, the Titans are garbage, I'll be fair. Like, but I don't, like, I don't think anybody's expecting anything that the bad. Like, the Raiders are in shambles. Like, <laughs> I think the Raiders, like, we're, we're off track here, but that's fine. I think the Raiders' troubles are overrated. I think this is the kind of season for the Raiders that is just, it's, everything's gone wrong. But fundamentally, they're not as bad as they look. No, they, like, they are a team that is in disrepair at the moment while they start to understand their new coach. There's too much heat on them. They're forcing things. They're trying to do too much. While they're in this hot seat, but like the Titans, the Titans are methodical, kind of like get those like first down. The Titans lost to the Bills last week. I don't have any belief in the Titans whatsoever. Yeah, but the Bills beat the Vikings, and the Vikings aren't that 
that that bad. I think we're going to look back at that game and go, like, sometimes you hear how results that surprise you, and at the end of the year you go, oh, we shouldn't be surprised. I think we're going to look back at that Bills-Vikings game and still be going... What what the heck happened there? <laughs> but <laughs> is that I, real? I think Did it's I much dream the same that? Same as the Titans. I think the Titans were a middle of the pack team that just didn't. You know what I mean? Just didn't show up for didn't show up at the right time. And that team, the Bills team, is capable. But like, if you if you slack off defensively, like Josh Allen got hurt, Peterman just throws a pick six. Oh I don't know gosh. if there's a least capable team in the league than the Bills. Now, now, okay, with Josh Allen now the guy, because uh, what's his name hurt his elbow. Um, Allen, I, I, that team is in. That team is done. That's it. Like Peterman is the worst quarterback, and I still, to this day, do not understand how their head coach still has a job after benching. Tyrod Taylor for Peterman. Yeah, <laughs> like he, he, like you said, worst. He might be the worst quarterback in the history of the NFL. Like, has there any ever been anyone who's less qualified to do the job that he's doing than Nathan Peterman? I, I like oh, I want to. What, what's his resume in high school? Like, I feel like he never won his entire career. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, Nathan Peterman's like when I played high school, I was a I was a solid high school player. But you would look at me and be like, "Yeah, there's no way he has talent to play at a next level." I feel like that's what Nathan Pe- Nathan Peterman was, and then somehow somebody drafted him and forgot all about that. <laughs> yeah, he, he's a oh, he was a solid high school player. I would agree with you 100. Well, how, how did he end up in the NFL? Exactly, like he just slipped through the cracks and no one noticed. Like, like. They drew the wrong Peterman. They're like, there's two Nathan Petermans. You know, <laughs> if someone ballot. wants to, if there's an NFL team that wants me to play for them, I'll play. I'll look really bad. <laughs> I'll be an embarrassment to the team, but I'll well, take the money. Right? Yeah, I'll take that check. <laughs> okay, uh, let's talk about, uh, I think we'll leave the best for last, and we'll talk about Aaron Rodgers and the, <laughs> that crazy comeback. That again was the against game might not have been as good as the Pats Chiefs, but whoa, that comeback! Has there ever been a more inevitable, successful quarterback than Aaron Rodgers? I, uh, I don't know, man. They got the ball. I was watching the baseball, and I turned over, turned over the football game right right near the end, and he had some ridiculous. I think it was a minute or eight seconds. To go like 90, I think he was on the 8-yard line or something stupid like that. And I just said out loud, you left him too much time. He's going to make this work. That's not logical to think that way. You should not think when those odds are facing a quarterback that, yeah, of course he's got this. (laughs) But I thought he, I felt sure that he did. And sure enough, Aaron Rodgers just methodically dropped him down the, drove drove him down the field. No, he had no timeouts. And... Still, like, nothing. Just hitting perfect sideline pass after perfect sideline pass. I have no words. He's the tour de force. Like, it is unbelievable watching that dude in a two-minute drill. I mean, a minute drill, a (laughs) 30-second drill, a Hail Mary drill. He is the guy. Two seconds is too much for... Too much to leave Aaron Rodgers. You can't leave him any time at all. Like, you had to... Just run the ball over and over and over and over again. And like one second left, hopefully you scored and didn't just run out of time because Aaron Rodgers is going to win that game. Like, <laughs> wow. Yeah, he's he's the best quarterback in the league right now. There's no 
Tom Brady's the GOAT, and that's great, but Aaron Rodgers is definitely the best quarterback in the league today. Yeah. Uh, I guess the one other thing I wanted to talk about was San Francisco's uh, backup quarterback. Uh, I'm going to forget his name. Who's now the Talking starter? About Bethard or yeah, uh, C.J. Bethard. Yeah, like what? Like what a surprising thing for him to show up like that to a game. I I thought their season was going to be in the most amount of shambles. After well, in theory, he's pretty. Good. This there's this is the guy that the 49ers organization said is good enough that we're going to get rid of Kaepernick. Yeah, I'm not sure we believe that reasoning, but. He this isn't uh, like a Loletta situation backing up Eli Manning. This is a guy that, in theory, was supposed to be solid. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it just I guess showed through right there that hey, he is a pretty solid player. And wow, you know, I mean, it, number one, that defense is not good. So like, it's it's not like he was beating a, a superstar defense, but the fact that he can even <laughs> play at all was a surprise to me. I thought they were. I thought they had nothing in the tank. He strikes me as um, Chad Henny-esque. Chad Henny-esque. <laughs> like, he'll be able to just, uh, yeah. He'll be able to deliver you solid performances and occasional pretty good performance. Yeah. But unless you got a great team around him, you're not making the playoffs, let alone Super Bowl contender. Yeah, no, that's, that makes complete sense to me as well. Okay. Uh, we're going to slide over to the Pats and the Chiefs and the 200th win for Tom Brady. So we already know who wins this one. But holy <laughs> wow. Patrick yeah, so there was... uh is a lightning bolt of a player. Like, I don't understand what's oh, yeah. happening right now. But in this space, this is the craziest thing to ever be a part of. But go on, Thompson. Yeah, the, so the stats against Kansas City in this game were too inevitable for them to actually win the game. Yeah. Uh, quarterbacks under 25 playing against Belichick at home are were 0-23. They're now 0-24. And a very weird stat, the Pats have now won the last 12 games when they play teams with better records than them. Very weird. <laughs> like, they, they step up when it matters. It's a very strange stat, but I just felt... The Pats were going to win this game, and yet that wasn't going to take away my belief from the Chiefs anyways. And then we watched the game, and I feel even more confident in that statement. Yeah. I mean, eh, wow. I just, like, the fact that Mahomes was kind of shook at the start of that game. He That game was really... Yeah, a couple picks early. It, it was a high-tension game. He overthrew a couple of, like wide open touchdowns because they beat like one-on-one coverage athletically like the Chiefs are so athletic they beat one-on-one and he has shown he's shown a tendency to overthrow a couple of picks in the Jags game they were both overthrows he drops his elbow a little bit which causes the ball's tip to go up Uh, and that causes it to sail sail on him so he had those Uh, so that's fixable yeah I mean very very fixable but I mean it happened to him early he, he, you could feel that you, it was like, he was like, oh no, come on, come on, come on, come on, you know? And then it was, it was that kind of rushed pace for him. Like you could, he was internally speeding himself up. He's like, we have to score. You have to score. You have to score, you know, like instead of like, yeah. Hey, like breathe. It's the next one. Like we're going to get there. It'll eventually we're good, you know? And that was a major like kind of thing you could see on his shoulders 
But, you know, Tom Brady was just calm, cool, collected the whole time. He's been there a million times. So yeah, <laughs> that's that was the major difference of that game through and through. Like the bigger story feels like Pat Mahomes, but you can't ignore that Tom Brady is somehow still an elite quarterback at this age. I know, like uh, unbelievable, and the like we we watched kind of like the heavyweight bout of the century there. Just it was like score, kind of like it got ahead, and then it was like score, 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 score. You know, and these crazy plays. And Tyreek Hill is so <laughs> lazy. Yeah, he's fast. something else. 150 yards almost, and, I think. And it was like year. plays where you would just wrap up and be done, and he just turns and makes a little move here, and it's like gone. Like, and yeah. I, I don't know how to explain it. Once again, flashbacks of John Leslie. Like. <laughs> The wide receiver from Washington, <laughs> yes. from NCAA John Leslie, the player nobody else knows because he's imaginary. He's except he's literally the game a to... player we had. We're going to talk about this again. We're going to keep bringing this dude up the whole way through. It's going to be a thing. <laughs> the dude we had in the NCAA franchise we made, we got the best receiver who ran like a 4 2 nine forty, and this kid, we, we literally broke every single record possible just throwing balls because you couldn't stop him. That's what Tyreek Hill is. He's literally that guy. <laughs> He's a video game player. He doesn't make, no, make any logical no sense. No logical human sense. And what an exciting show they put on. Yeah, looking forward on this. Um, you Obviously, we can all see these two meeting up in the AFC Championship. Oh, 100%. How big of a deal do you think the potential of uh, the Patriots having the tiebreaker will become? Uh, I don't think it'll matter. I feel like uh, the Chiefs are going to basically win too much for them to like. So you think the gone. Chiefs will have the first seed anyway? I think the Chiefs are going to take the first seed, yes. Because home field advantage, I think, will definitely matter. Foxborough has always been a good one. And exactly. The, I think the best in the league is probably Kansas City yeah. there at Arrowhead. So Yeah, well, I mean, after the, you know, uh, probably the 12th man, I mean, Arrowhead would be the best to that. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, Seattle and Kansas City compete every few years to try to see, to break the record for loudest stadium. Right. <laughs> yeah. Seattle breaks it, so Kansas City's got to break it. So Seattle's got to take it back. <laughs> I love it. Okay, so uh, we're done with the NFL. Uh, that was crazy exciting. You know, if you got a chance to catch any of those games, if not, go check out on YouTube. You can watch like a 14-minute condensed version of every single game, and there's some exciting plays to be seen. Um, okay, so- Pack football week, though. We're, we're right in the heart of football season, yeah. so we're going to move forward to NCAA football now. Yeah. Um, so I had I had personal stuff to do all Saturday. I was away from my phone. I was away from my TV. I, so I came home at about 10.30 at night. Yeah. Uh, fired up my app, just to, and the first thought was, oh, I better check what did I miss for the NCAA, se- NCAA this week. What happened? It appeared to be complete carnage. Everybody was going down. What week is it again this week? Uh, week seven, I believe it is. Uh, usually it's... I think it's about this time that we start to see upsets. Week seven, eight, nine. It's been heavy upsets so far, but they brought it to a just a brand new level this week. <laughs> it was uh, a very kind of weird. But uh, it's usually the case of a lot of teams around this time 
are playing their uh, rivals and they're playing high-seeded games because right at this point in the season, you can recover from losing to a 12, a 13. Um, but usually the problem is if you lose that yeah, game you don't admit- or even win that game, your next game, you are exhausted. <laughs> Do you think this is where the grind has gotten to? Yeah, a few like teams, you, you like when you prepare for a game like that, you mentally the next game. Where's this? Where Nick Shaven shines probably better than anyone is getting <laughs> those kids ready to play the next game. Like it was the last game they played, even though there's no emotional way it was. You know, and yeah, uh, I think that's what we're seeing here, especially with. The PS loss. Intelligent theory right there. Okay, so let's start it off. Georgia, LSU. Yeah, definitely the biggest news. Uh, Georgia was 6-0, and but people had said yeah, their schedule hasn't been the strongest. Yeah. Uh, maybe they're not maybe they're, they're not deserving of the high ranking. And they didn't just get beat, they got throttled. Yeah. I I didn't know what to make of it. I didn't get a, like, I basically missed all of Saturday as well. So I was like, what? What? (laughs) (laughs) Like, I'm still like, what? But I really, I. So the surprising, surprising thing looking at the stats is that Justin Fields didn't throw a ball. Uh, they stuck with Jake Fromm throughout the entire thing. We've been seeing a lot of Justin Fields. They clearly think very highly of him. Yeah. I would have thought that as things slipped away, they would have made... Like, I practically expected the switch at halftime, and now this is the Justin Fields era. Really? But I, mean, I guess not. Uh, like, when you see come of the, some of the switches we've seen already this year, yeah, it wouldn't have surprised me. That's fair. I mean, um, Fromm is an extremely good quarterback as well. Like, they, like it is really, like... 1A, 1B situation, whatever, which one is 1A, they, I think they yeah. are still on that verbally being from. Um, but, I mean, it, it, your will is shaken when you lose a game like that. But I think we're also overlooking the fact that this is not a Nick Saban-ran team and you don't win every single game every single year. yeah i suppose so especially in the sec we just have nick saban looming so large that we just assume that the the great teams are the great teams right like you're just like and it's not like lsu's a chump i mean i've been really impressed with burrow earlier in the year their defense is spectacular led by devin white yeah i mean you they're they beat teams they were climbing through the rankings like crazy for a reason and to do to punch Georgia right in the mouth and whole you know what I mean shows that number one LSU is a playoff bound team now if they can win out um and what's the they just have the one loss so far yeah, yeah it's just still this one, one loss so and and well if they can win out they'll definitely be because that would well they would they play Alabama yeah in a couple well weeks, I mean like they, they can so, drop yeah, it to be. Alabama and probably still be in the playoff after beating Georgia so badly. So, I mean, <laughs> this could be a very weird playoff now. <laughs> yeah, I I, we're, I think we might be getting ahead of ourselves, but we did. We want to talk kind of playoff situations now. Let's wrap it up, wrap it into the Notre Dame discussion yeah. I wanted to have. 
So Notre Dame still undefeated. I think with all the upsets and kind of the chaos, we've reached a situation where an undefeated Notre Dame, maybe even a one-loss Notre Dame, gets into the playoffs. Yeah, that's a very weird and large chant. I, I the feel- Big Twelve has kind of torn itself apart. The Pac-12 with Washington losing. I don't know. Has really hurt itself. I think it has to matter who you're losing to, and. I feel like, yes, Notre Dame could slide in, but I also feel like it's very likely that they miss the playoff even being undefeated. And to a team... Oh, I was just about to say, you can't possibly think Notre Dame would miss undefeated. I'm saying, like, there's a chance that they could miss being to a team that lost one game and that game, you know, uh, what was it, LSU playing... uh, Why am I brain farting? Like, I mean, maybe LSU um, gets knocked out by way of Alabama when we get down to yeah. it. But I, I, there's a possibility that it could happen. Like, if if Georgia can make their way all the way up, like, it, it could. Like, it could be Notre Dame, but their, their schedule is so very weak now. Like... It, it, it's one of those it, kind of it is shaky... really weak. They play Notre, uh, they play Navy next week, and that might be their yeah. like their riskiest game of the <laughs> yeah. year. Like it's it's such a shaky branch that they're on. Like they could be the UCF. You know what I mean? Like they the strength yeah, of they schedule. Play... They were undefeated. They sh- probably should have been in the playoff, but you don't get to do it unless you play maybe a little, one more opponent that has a number next to their name. You know, they're... Yeah, so they lost to Florida last week. Florida's yes. been kind of an up-and-down team. Yeah. So, I mean... Uh, so, I don't think that hurts them too bad. But they have Alabama in November 3rd, it looks like. Yeah. So, I mean... And then a couple of chumps before Texas A&M. They won't make the... So, they lose to Alabama. They're in the SEC West, so they won't have a conference championship game. Yeah. They might be, because it is the SEC, they might be strong enough to make the playoffs, I agree. Yeah. But I think there's no way they're knocking out. If it comes down to a three and four situation between them and Notre Dame, I mean a four and five situation between them and Notre Dame, I can't imagine you'd put in two lots LSU over undefeated Notre Dame. Well, I mean, if it if it is uh, if it's two losses, I mean, yeah, probably not. I mean, if they beat Alabama, yeah, I mean, if that they would beat, put well, them... if they beat Alabama. Then they uh, then we're talking a whole. That's a whole different situation. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, that does. Kind of shake up the whole kind of because thing. Because that, 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 that would be the most impressive win of the year. Yeah. And that would be, I think that would give them the tiebreaker in um, in the battle for the SEC West. So then they would go to the SEC championship to play yeah. Florida or Georgia. Yep. So the SEC champion is making the playoffs. I think we can all agree yeah, on that. There's no doubt there. about it. And, and then it's just a matter of, does the second SEC team make it? Yeah. I mean, the one thing is, is that if... If LSU didn't lose to Florida, I feel like they probably would have been the team that would have knocked out Notre Dame that way. But okay. I feel like yeah. your uh, I feel like it could possibly be like it could be like if Georgia who does he play? I feel like there's a team I'm thinking of Georgia plays that would matter. A lot. I'll look up Georgia's schedule. Give a yeah. Give me a second. Well, I'm like, like there's, I, there's a chance that two SEC teams make it in, and their schedules being exponentially tougher than what Notre Dame played, removing Notre Dame from being, uh, 
team. So if you had, say, let's say what we got is an SEC champion yeah. and an additional one-loss SEC team, yeah. then I guess you'd add the Big Ten champion and probably Clemson? Yeah. Uh, is that I your mean, final four Clemson, then? And you'd leave, that's Clemson's how you leave Notre Dame out? Right? number, I think it's 16, NC State. So that makes their schedules just strong enough to keep them in it. So, um, yeah, that would probably be the case. Two SEC. Georgia's got a got a rough couple weeks coming up. They got uh, they got a bye this week, but then they follow that up with Florida and Kentucky. Yeah, so, Florida, Kentucky, then Auburn, and then they beat up on the chumps in the last two weeks. Yeah, so season. I mean, like that's like you win those games. That schedule right there is still like if they only played those three games, it almost is stronger than freaking <laughs> Notre Dame's. Like. I feel like yeah, I think if Georgia goes undefeated, they're in the SEC East, right? So they'd be in the championship game. Yeah, I I just feel like it's almost more that Notre Dame is a kind of a like it. I feel like they're playing like a UCF type season. Like they could make it in by way of hype, <laughs> but it's yeah. they're playing nobody. That's inter- That's a very interesting comparison to to compare them to. To UCF last year. Yeah. UCF, by the way, who was still undefeated. Oh, 100% did um, not make it into the playoff. They called themselves national yeah. champions of the ring, say national champions. I agree with them. You're national champions as far as I'm concerned. Great job on that. <laughs> no, you're not. Dude, I love it. I love you, the troll job. I love but it. They would have been, had they been in the playoffs against any of the four playoff teams, they would have yeah, been trash. They would have probably. Alabama would have beat them 75 to nothing. <laughs> it was the case. But, I mean, hey, like, flex all you want. You know what I mean? You were the undefeated team. You were the. I'm all for, like, ridiculous hyping like that. But uh, they weren't. No, the... they weren't. They were not. But, hey, believe it. <laughs> Yeah, I pulled up Notre Dame's schedule. They have got big-name schools who are kind of having chump years. They still got Florida State and USC on the schedule in other years that may have looked good. But (laughs) Florida State is, like, in shambles, and USC is just so mediocre it hurts. Yeah, they've got that win against Michigan who's looking better and better, but other than that, they've got... 11 chump games basically in Notre Dame. Yeah, like so. I mean, and uh, Michigan. Yeah, so. so I just feel like that is that situation is them missing and being undefeated. And it's a, I feel like it's a very high possibility that people should not overlook. All right. I'll try not to overlook it. I'll be honest, I did before we started this conversation. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, Auburn. What's happening yeah, there? What, what is going on? I'm okay. They looked. I remember saying after the Washington game, man, I love Jarrett Stidham. As one of the like lesser-known yep. quarterbacks, I want him on my roster. Yeah. And then ever since that game, Auburn has just gone further and further downhill. I, I mean, I feel like this is a case of Auburn being Auburn right now. Like, I don't know. Like, their <laughs> coaching is not great. Like, they're so... Is it still Malzahn? I think so. Like, it's just... They're not that team, and it whatever's like whatever it is. Like I don't know if it's maybe the recruiting is just a little off, or the coaching is just not there, or like just something's not right with Auburn. And it's been the case basically ever since they got rid of uh, what's his name uh, that was the coach with Cam Newton. Yeah. 
That's, Sissy um, Kirby. I can, I can picture his face, but, yeah, the name's not coming to me, yeah. sorry. Like his name was like... Yeah, I think it must be coaching more than... Because they like... have... When you look at the team, you feel like this roster has talent. Like, if they were losing to Alabama and LSU, that's one thing. But they're... Yeah, they're losing to not... Yeah, it's this is not Appalachian State losses, but no. these are not impressive losses. Yeah, no, and it's a team that I mean that is Auburn, a team that beats Bama, you know, like basically random sporadic times to be the team that is yeah. probably just going to get rolled by Bama and moved on, no issue at all. Oh yeah, like, at this point the uh, the Iron Bowl is not looking like a big deal. No, not at all, and it's almost like they just fell off a cliff. Like you have to wonder. Is it the, you know, kind of the AD and the kind of situation where they're just like, where they turning over coach, like they turned over that coach and like, he's no good. He only had Cam Newton. That's why he's a good coach. And they went to this guy and now they're like, like, oh, you know, he just, they just don't have a Cam Newton yet. They just don't have a Cam Newton yet. As like (laughs) everything's burning. Like it's that comic of yeah, that I'm, dog sitting Stidham in the kitchen. Stidham isn't Newton, but Stidham <laughs> is not a chump. I just, I just feel like it's that dog sitting in a kitchen where everything's on fire, and he's like, "This is fine," <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> like it literally is that. Like it's just they're burning to the ground. Like there's a fire somewhere, and no one's putting it out. Yeah. All right. Okay, Washington. Uh, let's, uh... Yeah, let's move to a couple losses. I want to group these next two okay. together. Washington gets their second loss. Penn State gets their second loss. Do you think this knocks both of these teams out of the national championship race? Um, I would have to say yes, 100%. Oh. Definitely for Penn State. Yeah. Like, I think the, the Big Ten's Big Ten's too strong to get in as a two-loss team. Yeah. And, I don't know, Washington... The hope for Washington, here's the path for Washington, is they, obviously, they have to win everything from now on. Yeah. Uh, which would include the Pac-12 title. Yeah. And then you need a whole bunch, you need Clemson to lose, you need to knock the ACC completely out of contention. Yeah. And you need Alabama to win and destroy everybody, so that the SEC only gets one team in. And I think if you get uh, one Big Ten team, one ACC team... One either Notre Dame or wildcard team, and me and the Big Twelve needs to murder itself out of existence, which is kind of already <laughs> happening. <laughs> so they might get lucky there. So if all of that happens and Washington looks good the rest of the way and wins the Pac-12 championship, remember there was there was no Pac-12 team in the playoffs last year, if I remember correctly. So the committee might want to kind of make up for that. And, and might look for an excuse to put the Pac-12 championship in. Maybe. So I think there's a path for Washington, uh, but they need a lot of help. Yeah, around I them. feel like it's like one of those like kind of situations where like if this team loses by 12 points, if this team wins by you know what I mean. It's like one of those, and it's, it's just not gonna <laughs> happen. Like it, there's hope, yeah. but like if you're insane. <laughs> like the their losses are good ones to Auburn and Oregon. Yeah. Like not great ones, but I mean it's not it's not terrible losses. I think there's a chance. Like there's a path, there's not really a chance if that makes yeah, any sense. That's what I mean. Like it's like you can connect the dots, like you can see a connection 
you're doing the like putting all the little like thumbtacks on the pictures and tying ropes. <laughs> yeah, I got the all. red string around it. <laughs> you yeah. know, and uh, it's it's just it, it's no. What can I say? I got good feelings about Washington. <laughs> John Leslie was a Washington Husky. Going back to the imaginary person. That's funny. Okay. I guess we should talk about another weird situation here. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this game does not matter for the national title at all. But, what a but I just wanted to point out Rutgers' stat line. Two versus So between their... Seventeen. Yeah, two quarterbacks. Uh, yeah, two for 17 with five picks. I... Between their two quarterbacks. Oh, How uh... bad and embarrassing is that? Well, I... Don't know what happens to uh, Rutgers now, but the national championship is definitely out of the race. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I. Yeah, it's too bad um, when they were good. Their coach was a lunatic. Yeah, because ever since they did they fire him or did he get promoted? Even though he was a lunatic, oh, it was Greg Schiano. Yeah, That's what it was. It was. That guy was a lunatic. Yeah. Ever since they lost him, they've been. They were the the joke team of my youth when I was a kid. Yeah. If I wanted to say somebody got beat bad, it'd be like, man, they made Penn State look like Rutgers. <laughs> and they've gone right back to that existence. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I feel like they're just one of those teams that have been middle of the pack with great coaching now. A psychopath of a weird, of a great coach. But, <laughs> but a good coach, yeah. But... uh Good football guy. Good football guy, not a great coach, exactly. Like, to now a team that doesn't have the football guy there, probably a better thing overall for the program. But you're better you're thing for the school, through, yeah. Yeah, it's probably gonna I work out that they're gonna have to find a coach somewhere else, and they're gonna struggle for a while. I think you're right. All right, so we were going to move on to the MLB, but uh, we're currently in the top of the ninth, so I think we're going to run through a little rapid fire and then hopefully have some up-to-date information on the MLB. Yes. Okay. Start it off, sir. So the first thing I wanted to talk about was the uh, Thibaut Pinot's fantastic victory in Il Lombardia. That sounds like bike. So ill. <laughs> it is indeed. Sounds You're like absolutely cycling, right, my friend. <laughs> Talk so cycling, it. it's kind of like golf, where the season ends and everybody kind of stops paying attention. But you hear a few weeks later that you know, Jordan Spieth won a tournament or something like that. Yeah. For some reason, Il Lombardia, and its nickname is the Race of the Falling Leaves. It's in the fall. It's been that way forever. Yeah. But it's really just poorly timed because. The World Championship should be the end of the season, but they have this one last monument. A lot of play, a lot of people, they win the World Championship, they end their season. So it's not, in my mind, it's always kind of been the fifth of the monuments just because of its time in the schedule. Yeah. But it is a monument, so it's certainly a prestigious race. And Thibaut Pinot continued his fantastic, his fantastic from the Vuelta. He had a great World Championships, helped the French come second place. Yeah. And killed it. <laughs> he attacked uh, with a fairly long way to go. I think he won uh, by 34 seconds. Yeah. If I remember correctly. I believe you're correct. Yeah, uh, just... Dig it up. 
We... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just excellent. The pattern just continued. He's a really strong rider. I don't know. Like, he's been a Grand Tour rider, for, so for him to win a one-day race is an amazing achievement. But I also think it kind of cements in most cycling fans' minds that Pino is a... He'll win the big stage, he'll win the occasional race, super talent, but not the kind of guy who we're ever going to see break uh, break the French drought since 1986 of Bernardino. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's a good way to finish off the season, especially after a strong world championship showing. Yeah. All right, I want to move on to a story that has evolved through the weeks. When I first put uh, Simone Biles' name down in a little document we keep, it was to point out her absolutely ridiculous floor routine and to urge everyone listening to just go watch the YouTube video of it. Yeah. She... It was the hardest floor routine in the history any woman's ever performed. She performed uh, one particular flip in it that had never been performed in history before. <laughs> she is. I think she's won five all-around floor championships in the in a row at this point. She is poetry in motion. If you yeah, like even if you don't care about what's happening, like as in like technical wise, watching it happen is art. Yeah, there's something, like, I don't know anything about, I was not raised on gymnastics. I can't tell you how you're, how a, you know, double flip, how this double flip is necessarily better than this double flip from technical. Yeah. But when you watch her, sometimes when you watch the ones that are really good, you just know yeah, that that's this better. Is better. I don't have the words to say why, but that is so much better than anything it's else. It's like that bars routine from that girl who got the first ever perfect score. Like... When yeah. you watch it, you're like, something special is happening here. <laughs> like, yeah. you're just like, what? Like, what is she? Like, I don't get what's happening, but I know this is amazing. And to the people who know what's happening, they are losing their marbles. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. Like, it's, she is a tour de force, and I'm so glad I got to see her perform anything at all. Yeah, so, um, but then the story evolved. That was initially going to be the end of the yeah, Simone Biles story for this week. <laughs> but then, uh, Mary Bono, who is the acting head of uh, United States Gymnastics, who took over after everybody was turfed following the disgusting Larry Nasser situation. Yeah, of course. Oh. Um, posted a video online criticizing Colin Kaepernick. And scratching out the Nike, like the whole Nike protest. Yeah. And I should have had the tweet up because it's an amazing tweet. Um, but Simone Biles fired back. Um, do, 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 I have got to find this specific tweet. You vamp for a bit. Okay, yeah, <laughs> no. Um, I, okay, I understand if you don't like someone kneeling. I I don't understand why you think making a person stand is the answer to the like to the problem. Like if Colin Kaepernick was standing, you would not know you would not care about any of the issue that he is bringing up. And the weird part is is that 
you could make him stand if you cared a little bit about the issue in which he brought forward, which was... Yeah, if you fixed the issue, you would, you would He would be standing. Like, if you had a real conversation about police brutality in the United States, you would have a standing Colin Kaepernick, and we could move on. But you have yeah. to get mad at the fact that he's not standing, whilst not getting mad at the issue in which someone is standing for, which is something that the United States is having a major issue with. So, on that note, slide over to what was said. Yeah, so just to remind you that uh, this woman is just the acting head after uh, after the previous head was um, fired from her job for allowing Larry Nasser to sexually assault like a hundred and some women. So, USA Gymnastics has a black eye right now. Yeah. And Simone Biles, after... The video of her drawing over a Nike logo came out, and Simone Giles tweeted, Mouth drop. Don't worry, it's not like we needed a smarter USA Gymnastics president, or sponsors, or anything. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I, oh, man. The, like, I've once again, like, whether, like, whatever side of, like, the issue you are, you are on, like, if you are, because right now, it, it, it's literally, you are pro- police violence or your like 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 literally like that's what you're arguing your argument is pro police violence or con police violence or you just think a man should stand because he's kneeling and it's disrespectful like and yeah. that to me is just so weird like i get it i don't want him to kneel during a really awesome song that you cuz you have one of the coolest national anthems out there but like he is trying to make a point that is beyond uh, sport, which is beyond everything that has to do... It has everything to do with the, what the United States stands for, which is, you know, being able to protest, which is, you know, uh, equality for everyone. You know, like, these are United States kind of linchpins. And being mad at him for kneeling and drawing, you know, scratching off your pre-purchased Nikes so you already gave them your money. Like, <laughs> like it ruined yeah. your own product. You love the destroy the product you already yeah, paid for. Yeah, like destroying That's your own things fun. to protest a company that uh, it's not a great company still just because they supported Colin Kaepernick, just decided to uh, do something that made them a lot of money. Um they, you know, like, they, like it's what they've had issues that are larger than this as well. But, like, they, they took a stand and stood with someone who is fighting for something that all Americans should be behind, and that is your police keeping you safe and not hurting you, whether you're yeah. white or black. <laughs> yeah. Like, and if we had successfully recorded yesterday, this is where the story would have ended. Yeah. But today, new news came out that Mary Bono has no lo- is no longer in charge of USA Gymnastics. Simone Browse has a little bit of pull, <laughs> dog. No, actually, yeah, I feel like some the large amount of that organization is kind of a, a, a little more to the side of not like that organization is not making any noise whatsoever, especially 
right now. Like, after yeah. that issue. Like, is there an organization with a worse it, track record right no, now? No, there isn't. So, they just don't want to be visible at all. So, when you do things that are going to raise a storm of sorts... Uh, then you're probably not going to be around anymore. And this doesn't have to do with her opinion. It has to do with organization not wanting to be visible at yeah, all. Yeah, like in theory, this should be a great week for USA Gymnastics. Yeah. We just saw something we have literally never seen before with Simone Biles. And while Simone Biles is definitely the biggest story, you, you can't talk about her without talking about everything that came later in the week as well. Which was all because of Mary Bona, so. Yeah, 100%. So, you know, I, I'm I'm a big fan of hers. And it's really cool to see her, uh, you know, uh, that really cool to see her stand up for what she believes is right. And, you know, whether you agree or disagree, uh, it's, it's cool to see an athlete stand up for what they believe in and do what they want to do. You know, whether that be, you know, not seeing a president or going to see a president that, you know, they do or do not agree with, or it's cool to see that kind of your idol do something maybe you agree with or you don't agree with, but show uh, that they aren't just a poster boy for your league. Yeah. All right. Should we move on now to... There's boy or girl, poster boy or girl, sorry. (laughs) Clarify. Good good point, yes. Uh, So let's move on to all the drama surrounding Jimmy Butler. Oh my gosh. This is just the story. The NBA offseason is better than like the first six months or so of the NBA season. I I, (laughs) Just give me offseason because it's so much fun. I I just, this situation is so... NBA, it hurts. <laughs> That's a good way to put like, it. Yeah, just a quick recap since the last time we were here. Uh, Jimmy Butler came to practice with the T Wolves, still demanding a trade, um, but just showed up for like the last hour. Showed up, picked like four scrubs to join his team, and then probably won the scrimmage and blew up at everybody, yelling at all the star players. And then the T-Wolves canceled practice the next day. In And then Jimmy Butler also had a sit-down interview with Rachel Nichols, oh, where he was very candid about everything yeah. that was going wrong. And then it appeared like a trade was close to with the Miami Heat. But, after- but Tom Thibodeau decided to raise the price a little bit. And then Pat Riley's response was, you MF-er, and hung up the phone. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, it, it couldn't be any better. It couldn't be so, any like we, This story's been around for like three weeks and nothing has changed. It's Jimmy Butler's still with the T-Wolves. But we've just had endless entertainment right, yeah, coming out like, of it. This is, this is it. Like, what's next? Like, we're going to hear about the big baller brand brothers doing some stuff. Like, it's just a gong show. Yeah. And there was a rumor that uh, the Lakers were going to be involved, but apparently Jimmy Butler doesn't want to play with LeBron James. And Kawhi Leonard next year. Yeah. So that seems to be dead on arrival. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know what's happening at all. Yeah, I don't. I don't understand it. <laughs> like I'm like, just. It's not not the way I would go personally, but I love that this is the way the story's like, gone. Like the NBA is such a weird thing. 
I, I don't know what to say other than like just sit here with my jaw on the floor. Like it is like <laughs> it's like like people sleeping with people's girlfriends and like I'm like what like aren't you professionals at any point like. <laughs> What are you doing? Yeah. It has to. It must have to do with just like the twelve man locker rooms. That you get so much fame because your face is right there. There's so much new money. Yeah, like that combination. Like I don't know. <laughs> it's absolute madness. I guess, I guess. I I don't. I like. I wish I could put a finger on it, but like some of these dudes are. Just too much. Just <laughs> it's hilarious. And I love it. I love that we <laughs> yeah. get to see this because number one, you get to really see that these people are people. The NBA has to be the closest thing to knowing that these people are human beings and they get into fights and you know, yell at each other yeah. every day and still, you know, pick up their pail and play against each other. Or sometimes it degrades to a point where you can't even look at the person next to you. And, you know, you get to kind of see that. And it's weird to see because we're used to so many sports that are so very rigid when it comes to off the court kind of, like, conduct. Yeah, like hockey players. You never hear anything from hockey yeah, players. Yeah, like, you, you just can't say a word. Take it one day at a time and blah, blah, yeah, blah, Yeah, like blah, you just but... hear poster boy, poster girl. You know, we are out here doing our best and we just want to keep doing our best and I don't want to get in trouble for saying that the other team is trash and I want to destroy them. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's it's it leads to a very interesting conversation every offseason. So, yeah, I can't wait to keep, you know, keep my finger on the pulse of that one and hear more about it. Absolutely. All right, we should probably move on to baseball. It's not cooperating, but we can talk about what we do know. Uh, Yank Sox series wrapped up since we last talked. um, It kind of continued the pattern of round one. Yeah. Where turns out there wasn't a lot of competition. (laughs) No game went five. Yeah. The the one thing I wanted to point out was, did the Yankees regret signing Gian or trading for Giancarlo Stanton at this point? Because, man, was he wretched. I, I, uh, I'm i guessing you kind of got to be like, this was a bad choice. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, the stat people, like the real stat nerds, we'd have to ask Matt about this, but they say the home run and strikeout, go for the home runs, go and deal with a few strikeouts is, is statistically the way to yeah. go. But I couldn't help watching every time he came to the plate, and I think he came to the plate with the bases loaded a couple times and struck out. I just kept thinking, reminding myself of the Kansas City Royals from a few years ago when they're small ball and they're moving the ball around. If they could have just got something out of them. If they could have, but absolutely nothing, and that's why they lost. Yeah, 100%. I, I don't know. I feel like... The Yankees have, like, this abundance of dudes who can knock it out of the park, and every single one of them wants to be the knock it out of the park guy to the point. And, yeah, that's exactly how they're built. they got to knock it out of the park stadium and a whole bunch of knock it out of the park guys. And it's nothing much else. And it shows through in the fact that, like, you you didn't play the long game. It was play the 
the big swings over and over again when like, hey, you know what would really make sense now? Just try to put it somewhere where we can get someone on a base so we get, you know, two points instead of, we get two runs instead of one. You know, like, no, like, it's just so weird. Uh, yeah, like the Yankees had men on base yeah. throughout that whole series, but for just leaving them on in the bunches. Yeah, like, I mean, I thought they would come together a little bit more than they did, and it just seemed like nobody wanted to take the, uh, the take it on the chin and, you know, not have an in-field home run. Like, it all had to be grand slams and three, you know, like, it just <laughs> couldn't have been get yeah. one runner in, go, you know. So... Yeah. All right, let's move forward to the second round, which has proven to be the exact opposite of the first round. Yeah. All the games so far have just gone back and forth, back and forth. Uh, might as well talk uh, Red Sox, Astros. Red Sox won 8-2 to two earlier today off a grand slam in the eighth inning. Yeah. To take a 2-1 lead. They're looking pretty good. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, you, like, you've got to kind of sit on the side of, probably seeing a repeat you know like you're probably if they win this if the socks can't pull up their socks <laughs> and you see like you're probably gonna see a back-to-back win from this so you think the astros can like i kind of agree with you they've looked that pitching staff for the astros is so absolutely ridiculous i know they're down a game yeah. now but I still can't count the Astros no, out. No, of course not. <laughs> and it, I mean, it's only two one. It's been pretty close. Like, I I don't know. Like, we'll we'll see. But I I feel like I feel like whatever team wins this is going to be the team that wins. Period. So. And that would certainly be right. Certainly, they'd be the better's position. I'm sure. Yeah. So I mean, I'm not. I mean, I, obviously, nothing's a sure thing. Like. You know, surprise, surprise. But, like, it's not like the Brewers are garbage. But <laughs> it, it just seems like right now the hot hand is with that side of the the thing. And whatever way this goes, it's going to be exciting. Yeah. Yeah, it's... Um, so, yeah, might as well finish off. You mentioned the Brewers. Uh, we are currently... Uh, the Brewers are up 2-1 in the series. As we speak, they're in the bottom of the ninth, two outs, all tied at one. Yeah, I'm, I'm <laughs> so telling you the this... Brewers are going to be there. That's it. <laughs> tell you right yeah. now. Game one, to me, I felt so smart in game one, because before, when we were previewing this series, series last week, I said, Dodgers got a lot of talent, but the Brewers just keep coming at you in waves and waves and yeah. waves, and you got to be perfect constantly, and that's exactly what happened. Yeah. And then... The Dodgers... Talent showed up in game two, and then once again in game three, just kept coming at you. Yeah, I mean... And to, today, we, we're, we're <laughs> we've been holding it off, we've been pushing it back, and this game is still going and still unknown. Yeah, I mean... Brewers started out with uh, some bad pitching. Their starter, I think it was Peralta, was it? Only lasted three outs. Yeah, I mean... Pulled early in the second... It's, you know, the kind of the way it goes. It's one of those games a lot of tension got to. Oh, there we go. Early. We're going extra innings. Oh, we're going extra innings. There we go. <laughs> so people, when this one comes, I'm going to I'm gonna call it right now. Brewers. Who do you got? Brewers. All right. So Brewers up 3-1. I think the Dodgers are going to win this. Okay. This game. This game. I think yeah. it's going to go to 2-2. Yeah. Uh, let's say 
Um, Bellinger, who's had a terrible series. Man, we're talking about Stanton leaving guys on the ice, uh, leaving guys on the base paths. Bellinger is leaving guys on the base paths all over the place. (laughs) Um, So I predict that Bellinger will hit the winning RBI single in the 11th. There it is. Calling it. (laughs) You heard it here first, folks. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Except you watched it already. Earlier today, so oh well. Okay, well, um, that's our last thing for the night. If I'm right about that, no one will believe you. No one will believe you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, you recorded it, so now it has to be true. Yeah, I'll have to time do some some sort of time stamping. (laughs) All right. Okay. Um, Thank you again, guys, for holding with us, even though we were a day late. It uh, means a lot that you even listen to it still. Even if you listen to it on time, thank you. Uh, you know, every you're a weekly person, which is crazy to me to even think about. Thank you for listening, guys. <laughs> you know. Absolutely. Once again, we do it for the love. Thanks. And the fact that you are looking at this, which is a labor of love, thank you. Au revoir. Take it easy.